Welcome to the Cross Knowledge Podcast. Here we discuss the trends, opportunities, and challenges of corporate digital learning. Let's meet today's host. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Cross Knowledge Podcast. My name is Becca Kwiatkowski. I am a senior solution consultant at Cross Knowledge. And today I am here with Amanda Green, who is our VP of Talent Acquisition, as well as Crystal Thomas, who is our Senior Manager of PXT Select. And today we're going to talk about how do we set up hiring managers for success. I'll let any one of you jump in. I'll jump in. This is Amanda. So glad to be here. I would say setting hiring managers up for success is really key from the beginning of any kind of talent acquisition or recruitment engagement. And really, we try to approach our hiring managers from a consultancy place. And what I mean by that is when a recruiter first receives the requisition that they're going to work on, they set up that meeting with the hiring manager to really understand the must-haves what they're looking for, kind of breaking down, understanding how this candidate will make an impact to their team. And when you start asking questions like that, you'll see the light bulbs go off with hiring managers and they suddenly start to think about their role in a different way. And that can really help set them up for success in the beginning of the process so that we're not wasting time on candidates that don't meet their expectations. Crystal, what have you found? So Working with the hiring managers, we come at it from a different perspective. So like for Amanda, it's hiring recruiting. With us, we are actually maybe behind the scenes, helping them understand the expectations at that deeper level, looking at key metrics, key drivers, what the outcomes this role will have to produce for you in this particular fiscal year. We also help hiring managers determine alignment within the organization prior to hiring and bringing someone on board from everyone who has any kind of stake in that position or role so that they have that alignment to work toward building a success model, utilizing assessments or psychometrics as a point of view in the selection process. Where do they always fall short? I mean, I hate to kind of focus on that, but where do you see them stumble? Especially if you're a first-time manager, it's hard to think, how am I going to create a team? This is Crystal. I'll jump in. The point where you figure out, oopsie, maybe 90 to 120 days in is when they've relied really heavily on their gut instinct and they haven't partnered with their TAs or the other parts of their teams to get maybe a more objective information or data points to start making those informed decisions. Yes, Crystal, I would completely agree. That is our biggest battle, helping our hiring managers, especially our new ones, really hone in on the must-haves of the role instead of the nice-to-haves. And sometimes our hiring managers, especially first-time hiring managers, some of them have this very clear, narrow picture of what they think and not so much of of looking at what are the skills that I need? What is this person going to do to make an impact? And start to look at shaping that, okay, let's talk about behaviors now and how we can assess that talent for the behaviors that will reflect on the skills that you need for this role. I would also say trusting themselves on their hiring decisions. A lot of times they will debrief with the slate of candidates and they'll say, you know, I really like this one, but I want to see one more. Okay, tell me why you want to see. Do you know what I mean? And having them walk through. And nine times out of 10, when we do that kind of exercise and we see that stumbling, they feel much more comfortable and confident that they did meet the criteria, that they are going to be a fit. 
Another thing that I would add to is how to direct interview panels or who is in the interview process and what questions they should be looking out for versus this one so that they're not all asking the same questions throughout the evaluation or selection process. I agree completely, Amanda. I think for us at PXC Select, we definitely partner with organizations and say any assessment should only ever be a third of your hiring decision. So you really need to rely on looking at their experience, their resumes, drawing upon your own experiences of knowing the role. So trusting yourself to Amanda's point, it's like, how do they get that blend? Well, it's knowing up front or being gently reminded that an assessment's not a silver bullet. It's there to guide and direct conversation in the interview. Absolutely. And I just have to say with PXT Select, I think one of the great things about that assessment is it doesn't lead a hiring manager one way or another. It just gives these amazing indicators. And what I really like about it is that it's tailored to the job profile or role. And then we'll speak to hiring managers and say, okay, let's look at the results and how that relates to what you told us was most needed for this position. And when that all works together, that's where I feel like we really get that great quality of hiring. Where does L&D play a role? I don't know, Crystal, if you want me to jump in here on the learning and development, sure. but what we've seen in there's a huge opportunity. I think really in every organization can relate to this, but unconscious bias training to me is just a must have. Also, the way you structure an interview is so important now more than ever because long gone are the days where you can have two and three week interview processes. Your candidates are gone at that point. So you've got to be organized and you have to consistently repeat what they can expect next and when this process will wrap up, basically. Definitely. I would add to that really just the aspect of making sure that the hiring managers know that they can partner with L&D in that way. As a new hiring manager, that's what we've seen be helpful, especially when we went into the remote setting, when the interviews were no longer face-to-face. -face. You touched upon something. Gone are the days where you could have two, three-week-long hiring processes. And you also were saying doing this remotely kind of adds another layer of complexity. How has Wiley adapted their talent acquisition strategy with the great resignation and with COVID and remote working to support hiring managers to create like those better decisions? Yeah, we quickly pivoted going fully remote. It was that weekend in March where we went completely remote. Luckily, we were already using Teams, so that wasn't a huge pivot. But I will tell you, it was a little bit of a pivot for candidates, believe it or not. We also had to quickly pivot on the number of interviews that hiring managers wanted to have. But because you're not coming in person and you could meet three or four people, we had to scale down the number of interviews, the number of virtual interviews that a candidate was willing to take. And that number really came down to no more than four. Once we were able to, we still had some hiring managers, they insisted on eight and their time to fill was twice the amount of those that adjusted and went to four. And I think there too, there was a time when unemployment was really not as big of a deal. So people were jumping jobs really frequently. And so they're not necessarily willing to sit through that many <laughs> as well. No. And they would tell our recruiters openly. They were in two to three interview processes consistently. I know why I felt Wiley's pivot as a hiring manager, hiring, you know, pre and post COVID, but coming from my side where I have the toolkit of having assessments, which lends itself to giving you more, I guess, being feeling more prepared. You don't think that that many interviews might be particularly necessary, which I find a lot of our clients kind of ebb toward that direction as well. 
especially if they're using different types like screening assessments, which are not selection assessments to be clear, because they spent the time and invested in that process. But to Amanda's point about DEI, and there's organizations that are completely committed to DEI culture, and they focus on bringing their DEI consultants or their steering teams into the selection process early on to be sure that what we say we're going to do, we're doing. Crystal, I am so glad you brought that up because one of the things that we also did when we went fully remote, you know, to attract diverse talent, especially within technology, we've been utilizing our ERG Wiley Women in Technology to help with interviewing. So for example, in a remote setting, if there was an all-male interview panel, they may not have the opportunity to meet a female technologist that's in the office like they would when they normally walked in. And so we started partnering with Wiley Women in Technology and they offered culture interviews. So if a female candidate wanted to speak with another female on that team or in that office, we arranged that really quickly and integrated that as part of our commitment. And we had a few of our new hires this year state that that was the game changer oh, wow. for them. We have seen such an uptake in DEI programs where we have companies in this rush to create some sort of DEI initiative at their company. And then how can you do that at scale? And how can you do that remotely? How can you train your first-time managers on DEI to be able to make sure they're having those conversations, supporting them in some way, and recognizing if there is unconscious bias and how to address it. This is really important. The PXT Select team did a survey of over 20,000 hiring managers as it related to unconscious bias, and we really felt like organizations' response was we're either in the create awareness mode or they're building it into their organizational structures. And the majority were falling in that middle rung of how do we hold each other accountable to this common new language and implementing what we've learned. Especially when they just hired a candidate who is a color or is a minority and then they're struggling in some way. How do you have those conversations? Absolutely. I know most companies and peers to myself outside of Wiley, one of the big challenges was onboarding remotely and how do you introduce a company culture or values in a remote world? So you attract this great talent, they're coming on board, but they're probably still talking to companies that they were interviewing with. How do you tell a first-time manager, hey, you're not done yet. You think that they're going to be a fantastic contributor to your team they're still at risk. You still need to onboard them and make sure that that's impactful by using all that information that you got during the recruitment process in an intelligent way. Otherwise, they might be out the door in a week. Absolutely. I could totally jump in here because this is near and dear to my heart. And this is one of the big things that we had to really shift over the last two years. The way I would always explain it to a hiring manager is, okay, imagine an offer being accepted as you put the ring on the finger and the person said yes, but you've got to get them to the altar. And the altar meaning we've got to get through their notice period because guess what? They're probably still interviewing. They may not be, but recruiters are still calling. And then it sets in, oh, I'm leaving my current company. I may start to have buyer's remorse. And what we have found is that drop-off happened outside of the Americas, in EMEA and APAC, where notice periods are anywhere from 30 to 90 days, 
what do we do in that time period? And so we really had to jump in from a talent acquisition perspective and give them some tools and tricks, like inviting them to the next team meeting and introducing them as our upcoming team member. Every We were also giving the candidate swag. So when their offer is accepted, we're sending a box. We started that right after the pandemic. Goodies, so they felt a part of the team with, a night, with our values listed big and bright, as well as a suggestion of, you know, once their first day came, announcing on LinkedIn that they are a part of Wiley and we are excited that they're here. And a lot of them took that and started putting pictures of their swag boxes all over the internet and really feeling a part of that team. You want to do what touches their heart and that's going to get them what I say to the altar after you put the ring on it. That's right. Keep them connected. I think that's the biggest thing. Keep them connected. Crystal, on your end, have you seen an uptick in using the data collected from the assessment during the recruitment process? How hiring managers are utilizing that data for their onboarding, to like personalize their onboarding? Yeah, so for PXC Select, the assessment is not only used for the interview. We have conducted hiring manager training to be sure they know how to utilize the data to really infuse (laughs) their DNA into the next step with their new hire because that's what the assessment data gives them. It gives them a picture of the candidate and how they may behave in the work setting and we help them go, okay, now, how are you going to use that as a hiring manager to help them over the hurdles? Because what you don't want to Amanda's point is that they start feeling like they're failing coming out of the gate. No one's perfect and no one's a perfect fit to any role. There's always areas that we can improve. So we want to be sure that we help the hiring manager see those areas that maybe even the hiring manager might stumble over with this particular person and help them overcome that and have those conversations and open up that dialogue for them. So yes, onboarding with the assessment data, especially with the virtual, to keep them engaged, help them understand. Just because you put it online, just because you have it there and there's easy access and you can scale, it doesn't mean that's enough to actually retain people. Yeah, I was just gonna say too, Crystal, you said something about like the hiring manager knowing what what they're getting into, right? With that PXT Select, but I also think in the inverse, what's one of the great things about PXT is that the candidate gets their report. And that's a gift because there may be some things that come out in that report that they didn't even realize about themselves. And that's an investment. Candidates say, wow, this was spot on, or I didn't realize this about myself. Not only does that hiring manager understand, so does the candidate going into it. I think that's definitely something to note here. Definitely. And then L&D comes in and they create an engaging lasting learning experience that they're going to take with them and be able to educate their team members on how to develop as a human being within the workforce. What are you guys seeing as the must-haves? We can actually individualize and customize a training that looks like the people we're bringing on board. And it's going to be maybe blended learning, but we help guide that process with the data, with the L&D departments. And the data is a good starting point for them to be able to build out their programs if they want to unlock that human potential coming out of the gate. Absolutely. Candidates, when we ask, why did you select Wiley? Why is it that you're here? So many times tell us this is a learning organization. I'm very drawn to the mission, but I'm also drawn to learning more and developing and professionally developing myself. So when we get those signals, we're sharing that with our people org partners, our business partners, the hiring managers, and then bringing in L&D early to say, 
you know, this is a tract that these people want to go in. This is what we're hearing that candidates want to learn. I'll give you a quick example. We had a big hiring push in Brazil last summer. So a recruiter kind of cued in on the candidates in Brazil are really interested in expanding their education or expanding their English language, business language skills. And we were quickly able to send them examples. And we converted so many candidates. And if we didn't have that relationship with L&D to understand and know how we could quickly pivot and make that part of the benefit offering, we would have lost out on some great, great talent. Is there ever situations where you're telling L&D, hey, this is actually what we see working as competencies, as human skills in the market. So maybe we should adjust the competency model based on what we see. Do you ever find that kind of dynamic? We do, for sure. I will tell you, too, where I've seen this, specifically at Wiley, and this fiscal year starting in May, we had a very intentional goal within the talent acquisition team to engage our internal talent more to opportunities within Wiley. Because a lot of time, talent acquisition is looked at as that external talent partner. And we really wanted to reframe that, especially in light of the Great Resignation. So we were learning so much from our internal candidates of what they needed to upskill and maybe reskill themselves. So we brought L&D in and said, hey, this is what our own talent is telling us they need. We need to start offering courses and some very, very cool results have already happened. I will tell you, we've increased our internal hiring as a source of hire by eight percentage points just in this first half of the fiscal year. And it's not just the courses or the sessions that we've had, but we've been conducting what we call our virtual office hours where they can come in and we can do a quick session on interviewing, a quick session on updating your resume. We use our L&D partners to help us with that. And it's just been phenomenal. Crystal, on your end, do you ever find that it's actually data that you use along the entire employee lifecycle based on how they were scoring on the assessment? Oh, yes. Definitely back and forth sharing of what's worked in the past as we couple it with what we know that's happening in the market. They can go into talent mobilization internally using the assessment data, bringing someone in for one role and seeing the future of their career progression because you've already looked at their job fit score to those roles and seeing the areas you'd have to coach to guide their career in that path. And when you have the data to propel them through each phase, and even I think Amanda, you and I talked about it the other day, looking at those areas where, oh, they're not in the career progression, this person is going to struggle in this role. So how do we support them so they don't give up? I'm a millennial. When I look at a company, I want to make sure that if I'm giving the company something, they're giving me something in return. It's not just a transaction of salary anymore. How do you talk to a first-time manager about that? If you're not showing what they can achieve, they're not going to stay with you. A lot of times we're working with hiring managers that may not have hired in five years. So they think, you know, I'm the expert. I've hired 100 people in my career that's great. I'm sure you have some awesome skills. So when was the last time you you brought someone on board? Oh, five years ago. The world has changed so much in those five years and what candidates are looking for. And so even new managers or existing that haven't hired in a while, we really have to help them understand that candidates aren't looking for the right now. And by the way, gone are the days that they are grateful for the job. A lot of times we'll get that feedback. They should be grateful. I'm like, whoa, that's not how the world works anymore. (laughs) 
So we really have to reshape that conversation with hiring managers. And if this is a candidate that they love and want on their team, they really need to show that side of it. And this is what we've done. And even citing examples of other members on their team, candidates love that. Because if you can say, as a hiring manager, three of my last team members that I hired have now gone on to do X, that that will hook a candidate faster than any salary. Very true. Sometimes I feel like we're re-educating, and I say that lightly, mm-hmm. I suppose, but we're re-educating hiring managers for this space. We'll see organizations that they, they're working really hard to retain people. And when we trace it back, you know, it goes to the hiring manager. And it typically is that very old saying of people don't leave buildings, they leave people. So hiring managers, young, old, novice, or complete expert, as we approach organizations, we want them to really fall back into some reliance into the TA team and into the, really into the organizational process a little more than they would have in a different environment or different setting. Thank you so much for coming on the Cross Knowledge Podcast, and I will see you around virtually. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for joining us today. We hope to see you again for the next episode of the Cross Knowledge Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues.